0: This is the Today's RDH Dental Hygiene Podcast. The podcast for curious and passionate dental hygienists. Hello everyone, I'm Kara Babrowski. Today we have gotten together to discuss a topic that has come up during the current legislative session, sparking the interest of dental hygienists on a national and international scale. The topic I am referring to is allowing dental hygienists to practice at the top of their level of education. So, with me today is Emily Bogie, member of the Today's RDH Advisory Board and dental administrative chair for two accredited allied dental programs in Iowa.
1: Hey, Kara, and hey, everyone! Thank you again for listening us today. Uh, listening to us today. Thank you for choosing to watch our video. I am so glad that we're using this format to talk openly about some comments that were made recently in the Chicago Tribune by a paid lobbyist for the Illinois Dental Society. So, I know that inter- industry professionals and various dentists and dental hygienists and dental assistants and dental therapists and lots of other stakeholders in our industry like to listen to our videos. So I thought This is the ideal format to talk about education and have a good discussion about this.
0: I agree. So for those who haven't seen the Chicago Tribune's article or the response that um, we did, Today's RDH published um, from our writer, Spring Hatfield, Mr. Marsh stated, and this is, I quote, I just don't feel anybody with a two-year associate's degree is medically qualified to correct your health they're trained to clean teeth. They take a sharp little instrument and scrape your teeth. That's what they do. That's all they do, end quote. So this article has gotten a huge response on social media from both dental professionals professionals and members of the public who actually value the time they spend receiving care from their dental hygienists, right? Um, so this really has opened a lot of eyes.
1: I totally concur and I'm gonna say I have said it a million times before and I will say it again and again and again dental hygiene is the most difficult education process I have ever completed and I'm finishing up my doctorate and I know a lot of our listeners know that and I am defending my dissertation in January and I'll officially be Dr. Bogey and so I've gotten a couple degrees since then But dental hygiene is still the hardest education process I have ever gone through. And I advise those who have not looked into the criteria necessary to get accepted into an accredited dental hygiene school, please do your homework before you go throwing around comments like these. Because I have a waiting list of students, and I have a lot of students who try and try and don't meet our admissions acceptance criteria so do your homework before you go throwing all the shade right
0: yeah and that's where the contention began um this gentleman a lobbyist for the illinois dental society he's not a dentist he's a lobbyist uh mr marsh made those comments that put the education and the competency of the dental hygiene profession under question During a discussion taking place regarding whether to allow dental hygienists to provide care to underprivileged patients without a dentist present, which is already being done safely and effectively in various states across the country Um, in my hygiene program. Um, just my personal experience, it was mandatory to make rounds at assisted living and senior living facilities. We had to go to WIC facilities, which is women, infant, child, um, and place fluoride and educate parents and kiddos on oral health. Um, We also put on sealant clinics and visited schools in the community to screen for the need for sealants and dental treatment that was needed. And then we would refer to dentists in the community um, and refer to our sealant clinics, which also had several dentists donating their time to provide restorative treatment um, and referrals then also to our dental hygiene clinic for preventive care um, and and give fluoride treatments. Um, This was a mandatory part of the program I attended, and I'm sure the program I attended is not unique. Um, We also had voluntary opportunities to treat patients at a prison. So to sum it up, dental hygienists are trained to do exactly what Mr. Marsh said we, we aren't. Um, The community where my dental hygiene program was located um, benefited immensely by what student hygienists did. Um, We were kind of out in the middle of nowhere in Eastern Oregon. It was, it was an eye experience. It was an eye opening experience for me as a student. Um, It was both sad to see what we saw but incredibly heartwarming to see what we accomplished um my school for instance didn't even have a waiting or we didn't have to go out and find patients we had a waiting list trying to get in i found all my board patients everything right in clinic um and further i'd like to just kind of continue on my little rant here. Um, I'm licensed in Oregon, and I have an expanded practice permit. Mm -hmm. So I do already have the ability to go into assisted living facilities, do mobile dentistry, go into schools and provide preventive care, um, and all of those things that fall under that umbrella. Um, This has been done safely for years in several states, like what you've mentioned. Um, I would also like to note that I have my nitrous oxide permit, my local anesthesia endorsement. Um, One of the permits endorsements I don't have is a restorative permit, yet I'm allowed to in Oregon. Um, Personally, I just don't wanna do restorative work. Um, I I just, I care for the preventive side better, but I did attend a two-year program and all hygienists know how rigorous the program is. But before attending the dental hygiene program, I took three years of prere- prerequisites. Um, and this is where it gets a little foggy for some because people are like, oh, well, it's only two years. Well, that's not the whole story. So for me, it took three years because I wanted to get really great grades and actually learn, not just memorize the information. Um, and I was also working part time and doing ballet and, you know, crazy stuff. Um, and so I also took the electives needed during the hygiene that was going to be needed during the hygiene program so when it came time i had more time to study for boards so i had an associate degree before even attending the dental hygiene program to get another associate degree Um, And I would like to mention just some of those prereqs because again, it's a, it's a bit more than just a two-year program to become a dental hygienist. Um, I took two full years of biology and labs, a year of anatomy and physiology and labs, microbiology, I actually took it twice because I loved it. That's weird. I know Um, a year and a half of chemistry and labs, nutrition, and this list goes on and on and on. Those that were in my prereq classes are now pharmacists, dental hygienists, medical doctors, and interestingly, one person I took medical terminology with became a nurse practitioner, and we had a reunion when she came to my parents' home to help care for my dad when he was dying of cancer. So the point is, the prereqs for um, dental hygienists are quite similar for nurses and advanced degree medical professionals. So, and and again, with all this prereq stuff that I'm spewing here, I am not unique. And so, and now speaking of the boards that I mentioned, I took six exams to obtain my dental hygiene license. I took the written exam, the MBDHB clinical exam, the written and clinical local anesthesia, ethics and jurisprudence for the state of Oregon. And at the time I had to take a process of care exam, which is no longer a thing, but um, but six. Um, I traveled to three, uh, three different states to get this all completed and, And I share all of this because I just, I beg to differ with Mr. Marsh when he states that we are not qualified to medically care for patients. And all we do is scrape on teeth and and don't get me even started on all of the evidence and research showing the link between oral and systemic health, but there's my rant.
1: (sighs) And exactly. And how much time do we spend with our patients? Like, Ask a dental hygienist how many times one of her or his patients has called them with medical questions because they know that we're going to spend the time, we're going to explain it to them, we're going to find the answers. If we don't know the answers, we're going to call colleagues, we're going to do the research because we care about people. We're not just out there scraping teeth. And, you know, this is what really gets me is this conversation was totally flipped. So whether it was done intentionally or unintentionally, since I never met this guy, I'm not going to assume this was his intention, right? But what he did was he completely took the focus away from the conversation at hand and he turned it into this turf war, basically throwing shade all over our profession and saying, oh, these two professions that have overlapping skill sets are just arguing. They're just throwing sand in the sandbox because- they think there's not enough toys for everyone to play. So they're just arguing amongst themselves. And so they're it, taking the topic at hand, which topic at hand is serving the public and serving them safely and effectively. And he's twisting it. And I hate it when they do that. And, and I've heard lobbyists do this in other arenas as well. You know, people know I, I live in Iowa and we uh, we're farmers, my husband and I, and they do that in the agricultural arena. They do it in the business arena. They do it in the dental arena. And so it just kind of stinks that they're saying, oh, it's just like when nurses and nurse practitioners and doctors fight, just ignore them. They're just fighting
0: about their professions. It's not about that. It's not about that at all. In, in, in. I I agree and in and I don't get us wrong here right like lobbying is not necessarily a bad thing like it is one effective way to assure that legislators get the information they need to create beneficial policy for citizens but the problem here is the focus was taken away from the issue you know serving underserved and allowing people that are trained to do it and it was placed into the opinion of the organization Mr. Marsh is representing.
1: Yeah, and the, the lines between practice acts they're going to be they're going to be gray at times. And sometimes we want them to be gray, right? To allow for further education, further training, further emerging technology. But we are, you know, we're referencing an article where the writer does identify that the discussions are taking place in other healthcare arenas, but the bottom line is we need to come back to the fact that the lawmakers need to address that we need to be able to serve people at the top of our, our scope and our ability. And by minimizing the perception of who we are, that's not helping anything. And mm-hmm. so places like assisted living centers and nursing homes and mobile dental vans and prisons, these are the spaces where dental hygienists can do what we're trained for. We are trained as the preventive education specialists. and we can give those surfaces to the people who need them and we can increase their health literacy, even if it's just having a conversation. And I say, I just, I just minimized, you know, what we do just in my verbiage, but having that conversation with a patient of, you know, this is what you're doing now. Maybe if you did it this way for a while, we would see an improved result or we wouldn't see the progression of these caries. Or maybe if we put some silver diamine fluoride on it and arrest the decay, we can get it to a stage where we can get you to somewhere who can can help you out. And it's it's not about us wanting to do a job that, like if I wanted to be a dentist, I would have went to dental school. I could have gotten in many dental schools. Trust me, I had the grades. I didn't want to be a dentist. I wanted to be a preventive specialist. And it frustrates me to no end that people are turning this into a turf war. I want to do preventive healthcare. Let yeah. me do it where yeah. people really
0: get it. And that's exactly it. Exactly. And this is the exact same care they are providing in the traditional dental setting with the full ability to refer their patients to a brick and mortar dental location to continue their care. Yet by placing the focus on one profession bashing another, it makes us look like, like you said, we're children fighting in a sandbox mm-hmm. place, rather than professionals wanting to get care to those members of the public who cannot get the care of themselves. Mm-hmm.
1: And you know, we're, we're seeing this all over social media, right? because that's what we do. We get on social media and <laughs> we talk about things that we want to talk about and just kind of try to figure things out together. And it's great that social media connects us and I just see so many parallels that aren't aren't quite right though. So on social media recently, I saw someone likening the same argument or the same discussion to people allowing dental assistants to scale. And you know various states where dental hygienists oppose dental assistance scaling. And I feel like that's comparing apples to oranges, right? So as dental hygienists, we are trained to provide dental preventive care and our students at my school have to meet certain competencies, you know, curette competencies and scaling competencies and probing competencies. And dental assistants, I see that exact same side of their education they don't have any of those competencies in their program. And that's a 12 month program. Why don't they have those competencies? Well, first of all, the commission on dental accreditation did not establish those competencies. And people don't realize the commission on dental accreditation sets the standards for everyone. So even though state practice acts are different, the commission still steps in and says, these are the competencies that one must meet to become a dental assistant, to become a dental hygienist, to become a dentist, an endodontist, um, uh, oral maxillofacial surgeon, they set all the standards. So if your program's accredited, then you meet all the standards, that's what that means. And so I think that's also part of the equation that people are missing in these discussions or or some people are calling them like um, professional turf wars. Does the, the school, you know, does the, the commission standard speak to that specific skill set or not? If it does not, then you need to work on getting it in there. Because I just feel like in so many states, dental assisting isn't a regulated profession. And so I have graduated from a dental assisting program. I have also graduated from a dental hygiene program. I'm a dual program director for both programs right now. So I understand the difference in curriculum and I understand the difference in rigor. And so when we go and we try to explain to legislators the difference, I think when some of these people come in and they have this discussion that we have already had and they say things like Mr. Marsh said in that article, it just really irritates me because I live and breathe this every single day. And I see these students that want to be, get in dental hygiene school so badly. And then for someone to turn around and say, oh, all you do is scrape teeth. It's like, well, if all they do is scrape teeth and I couldn't get in, how does that make you feel, right? And so as one of these educators who's signing off on all of these competencies, I just, you know, you wish you could just say to the legislators, like, pay attention. Listen
0: to the people who actually know what's going on and actually do it. Yeah.
1: Right.
0: Right. Yeah. The word, yeah, yeah. Um, the words in the Chicago Tribune article really upset a lot of dental hygienists. And I think it comes back to misinformation. So we as dental hygienists are all responsible for educating the public about who we are and what we can do. So I think until we start to value ourselves on a higher level no one else will. Um, So there, you know, there does, we do need to take a bit of ownership in this, right. Mm -hmm. Um, We need to stop posting things on, on, you know, social media. that have no evidence base and quit treating all the patients the same, regardless of their condition. Like we need to, we need to do what we know we can do. Um, And I'm certainly not saying everybody does that, but it's like, we all do play um, a part in this every single one of us.
1: And and the public perception of one person can become the public perception of an entire profession. Mm -hmm. If that is the only person from that profession that you are experiencing. Mm -hmm. And so when people like Mr. Marsh come in and they say, oh, all they do is scrape teeth. And then people see on social media, oh, all that person is doing in and scraping, going in and scraping teeth. They're not following infection control protocol. They don't want to practice evidence-based dental hygiene. They don't try to prevent disease. You know, we have, we've detected oral cancer. We've detected head and neck abnormalities and assessed patients for systemic conditions and spent countless hours with countless patients educating them. And it's not just about scraping teeth.
0: Yeah. And I mean, to be honest, there are people in every profession, not just dentistry, who are, le- who, who are less ethical and less evidence-based then you know we would like to see but you cannot judge the entire profession on that like don't let one rotten apple spoil the bunch right
1: yeah and i mean I, w- I was very fortunate to work with a group of dentists in a private practice in a very rural area who deeply valued um dental preventive specialists and and dental hygiene as a profession and so we worked together collaboratively and that's why i stayed there for so long and so I think life is so much better when we collaborate and we share resources than if we try to work from the scarcity mentality where everybody's trying to steal what's ours. And I think a lot of, you know, the current dental hygiene shortage, you know, everybody's saying there's a shortage of dental hygienists right now. And yeah, maybe there are, but I think it's more of a shortage of happy, healthy workplace situations and people who are in a situation where they feel valued and they feel that they can practice to their full ability that they were taught in school and they can have the time they need to do what they need for their patients and with their patients and so you know the, the arguing in that whole I'm trying to steal what you're doing thing I'm just not buying it I'm yeah. just not
0: yeah and it it does come down to and and, and again we're not saying not all dentists don't treat their hygienist well or their staff well or mm-hmm. care no, about I was treated their patients very well
1: for years and i still am treated yeah. well by college
0: yeah so it's but that is that is something that is we're facing right now and hence the shortage so like you said there are plenty of mouths in the world to oh. treat that is for sure and so i think on that note i think we'll just wrap this up here um but we just had to kind of get our feelings out and 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 let hygienists know that we have, we have, we have a platform here that we can get our words out. And so we're trying, we're trying. Well, and if people have
1: other topics they want us to talk about, I mean, I've had, I made a post about it on Facebook. I had several people reach out to me, like, how do I approach this? How do I, how do I discuss this with people who are now saying to me, is that, you know, you guys just scrape your teeth, scrape our teeth. Like, you know, it takes an awful long time to do that. And I think that's hard when you're in a situation where you're chairside with a patient and they're all of a sudden questioning something that they read in a mainstream publication because we're so used to only seeing things about us in our dental publications, right? And so then when patients see things, I mean, we've all seen it on like a, a syndicated talk show or something where a talk show host will say something about dentistry and then all of a sudden our patients are coming in like, oh my gosh, yeah. You know, it's like, okay, calm down. And so I think it's it's a great platform to just talk about issues that we're seeing too.
0: Yeah, so that's what we wanted to do today. Um, I think we'll wrap it up here. So of course, thank you, Emily, for discussing this issue with me and letting me kind of go on a very long rant there. Um, and I want to say thank you to our listeners um, and to those, you know, who watch us every month. Stay positive, stay evidence-based, stay focused on doing what is best for the world. We already know you do. Keep it up. And thank you for the privilege of your time. I wish you all the best. Thank you for listening to the Today's RDH Dental Hygiene Podcast. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts.